Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Shriver. What do you treasure? What are the most valuable things in your life? We're starting a new series today called Treasure. And in this series, we're going to look at three parables or three stories that Jesus told about money. Today's story is all about greed. Now, you may hear that and think, well, I don't have much, so I can't be greedy. But as we'll see in just a moment, greed isn't about how much stuff we have. It's about our heart and its attitude towards our things. So let's get started today and learn about the parable of the rich fool. Here's Pastor Nicole. We are starting a new series today called Treasure. Uh, there will be, this will be a three-week series, and we're going to look at some parables in the scripture uh, that Jesus told about money. And as we work uh, through these messages, we will see that Jesus isn't primarily concerned about the money as much as he is about the obedience and motivation behind our giving. And our giving reveals our heart condition. So even though these are parables about money, really they're parables about our heart and about where our heart is in relationship to God. Now, I was thinking this week that isn't it amazing and interesting that as we are going throughout our day, our minds are in constant narrative. Let me explain what I mean. Uh, No matter what we're doing, there is this steady other thing happening inside our head. Anybody with me with this? Like, like it's so difficult to focus on one particular thing in front of us. Um, So like, for example, if I could like mind meld all of you right now and take a survey of all of the things you're thinking during the sermon, I probably don't want to know, right? But it probably would be, even as I preach today, um, maybe something about your work week coming up, uh, your grocery order, a problem with your kid, how you're going to cut that tree down in your yard this afternoon. I know that's what my husband's thinking about, you know, (laughs) trying to figure out, uh, you know, different things. Maybe you're thinking about how much you love your pastor. I know that's mostly what it is that you just love my jokes and, you know, but it's so interesting that we can be thinking about so many things all at the same time, right? Studies show that we can listen four times faster than people talk. Isn't that interesting? Four times. So there's a lot of time for other thoughts while you're listening to someone talk or watching TV or whatever it is. There's a lot of time for other thoughts even while you're listening to a sermon. And so we actually see this happening in our scripture text today. So I feel okay if you're daydreaming a little bit because it even happened to Jesus, okay? So I'm I'm comfortable with that. If it happened to Jesus, then it happens to the best of us. But we see in Luke 12... Jesus had just been preaching um, on very solemn, very weighty matters, and he's talking about how we need to fear God more than we fear men because our eternal destiny rests on it. Then Jesus says, look, um, whoever confesses the son of man on earth, like talks about his goodness, I will confess before the angels of God, but whoever doesn't, I won't. Then he warns against an unpardonable, unpardonable sin, of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's talking about pretty much the most serious topics possible. And so you would think that everyone would be gauged in, right? Like everyone in the audience would be tracking with him because these were eternally vital matters. And so we see in the next verse in Luke 12, 13, a man in the crowd after uh, Jesus is preaching speaks up and reveals that he has this other uh, strain of consciousness that's happening in his mind, because this is what he says. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. (laughs) 
Okay, if I had been Jesus, I would have probably thought, where was this guy during my sermon? Like, did you hear anything that I actually said about what we're talking about today? But the man was consumed with his problem, that he had come to try to get Jesus to solve his problem. He wasn't there to have Jesus change his heart or to learn from Jesus or to worship Jesus. Now, um, I don't want to like get off track this morning, but we have to stop here for a minute because this is really good. <laughs> Why are you here today? Are you here so Jesus can solve your problem? Or are you here for a heart change? Are you here for whatever God wants to talk about? Are you here to encounter the Holy Spirit? Are you here to give worship to Jesus? In fact, those are good questions for us to ask every week. Okay, so this guy, in his mind, he has a problem. He finally gets, Jesus takes a breath, so he's like, wait a minute, <laughs> let me just tell you what I'm thinking about. And he says, look, I have a greedy brother who's not giving me my fair share of the inheritance. And he doesn't say, Lord, what do you think about that? Or can you give me some advice? He just says, Jesus, just get on my side. Like, provide some ammunition uh, against my brother. Tell him he's wrong. And this is how Jesus replies, uh, Luke 12, 14 through 15. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. See, what happened is Jesus saw that his words revealed his heart. That the man's heart probably was not his brother's, the man's heart problem was not his brother's greed, it was his own greed. And Jesus says, look, I'm not solving this problem between you two because that's not actually the problem. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Maybe if you're a parent in the room, the problem is not that you guys are arguing over the same toy. The problem is that nobody can be flexible. Okay, I've given that speech a couple times in my house. You know, but it's this idea. It's not about the issue. It's about the fact that there is a deeper issue. And I love how Jesus is always going into the deeper issue. And then Jesus looks at everyone and says, hey, um, this guy asked a question. It was not really what I'm talking about, but let me take this divine opportunity. And actually the scripture says he turned to them. So all the people that he's preaching to, and he says, listen, in neon lights, let me give you this warning. Beware, watch out, be on your guard because greed is serious. Greed is dangerous. This term greed means simply a consuming desire to have more. It's this sort of nuance of grasping for more, a lust to acquire. It's the very opposite of the contentment that accompanies true godliness. John D. Rockefeller is a very rich man, and someone once asked him, how much money will be enough? And he replied, one dollar more. One dollar more. The beast of greed is never full. It's like this insatiable black hole that never has a bottom. Now, here's the thing about greed. You might be thinking, oh, this isn't about me. I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> you know, like I can, I can just forget about this one. But here's the thing. Greed is not an issue of amount. It is an issue of attitude. Even the poorest people can be greedy. And the richest people can avoid greed. Just because maybe you do have a lot of things that the Lord has blessed you with does not mean you're greedy. It's actually not at all about the amount of things we have or the amount of money we possess. It's about an attitude in which we hold on to our possessions. Okay, so Jesus continues to drive this point home. And here's the parable we're gonna look at today in Luke 12, 16 through 19. It says, 
The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns, and I will build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, and then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. Or then who will get what you prepared for yourself? Verse 21, this is how it will be whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. So Jesus in this parable teaches us a lot of things about treasure, which is uh, the, the name of the series today. And he teaches us about greed, but he also encourages us to be rich toward God. And so I just want to look at a couple things about greed today. And then I want to look at what God tells us and how to be rich toward God. Okay, here's the first one. Greed is gradual. So I think this is really interesting that there is always a choice. There's a choice in how we invest our treasure. There's a choice in what we do with our resources. And in Luke 16, it says you cannot serve both God and money. And I think what's interesting about that verse is it doesn't say you should not serve both God and money or you ought not serve both God and money. It actually says you cannot like, you can't. It's an impossibility to serve two masters at the same time. So if you are not serving God, then you're either serving God or money. You cannot serve money and serve God. It's just impossible. We can even fool ourselves into thinking maybe we are. But if we're not doing that, we cannot serve both. And in Mark 4 and 19, it talks about thorns that gradually grow up and choke out the word of our souls. And it says, the things that are thorns are the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. And so these two uh, other passages are really telling us that, look, greed isn't often a deliberate choice. In fact, I don't think many people wake up in the morning and think, I'm just gonna be materialistic and possession-centered and ignore all the important parts of my life, like church and family and relationships. Like, nobody actually chooses that. Just all of a sudden, they find themselves in this situation. It like creeps up around them without realizing it. And it gets this slow stranglehold on our lives, like thorns growing up around a healthy plant. And so how do we determine if we're falling into the sin of greed? Well, I think it's really important to check our hearts often. Now again, I wanna remind you, it's not about amount, it's about attitude. So as you're sitting here today, you might be thinking, I'm good, I'm good. But really, the evaluation of our heart could show something that maybe we don't even know that's in there. So here's what I did. If you got one of these on your way in, uh, just pull it out right now. If not, we'll put the, the questions on the screen. But there are five questions that I think are good questions to ask ourselves um, when we're thinking about if there is any greed in our heart or any greed in any part of our life. First of all, I want to tell you the answers to these questions are private. They're between you and God. Uh, and they might even be something that as I go through them today, you might want to revisit sometime this week when you have more time to think about it. But for these next five minutes or so, let's just go through these between you and God. You might want your pen or at least just be thinking. Um, and let me walk through these five. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit that if there's anything inside of us that would put us, uh, any, any greed that's creeping up slowly, um, that we would see it. Okay? So let's uh, go ahead. Number one is, do my thoughts more often run after material things than after God himself? We talked about our thoughts drifting, right? Uh, so are you often thinking about a newer car, a nicer house, a better iPhone, <laughs> 
and seldom thinking about knowing God better. Just evaluate for 30 seconds right now. Number two, do I ever compromise godly character in the pursuit of material gain? Do I ever compromise godly character in pursuit of material gain? You know, if we, if we ever cheat, lie, steal, or even not tell the whole truth to get ahead financially or avoid loss, then that's being greedy. If we care more about making money than about being a witness for Jesus, or we care more about making money than getting into the house of God and worshiping or being part of, of a fellowship or discipleship that helps us understand God, that's greed. Number three, do I enjoy material things more than I enjoy knowing God? Again, these questions, are, they almost sting a little, right? But if we have to ask ourselves honestly, because if we're not going to be honest with ourselves, who is going to be honest with us? So do I enjoy material things? So here's our example. If you get really excited about a new car or new jewelry or a new dishwasher, hallelujah, but you are bored by the things of God, that's a seed of greed in your heart. Like what brings you real joy? Remember, this is a good test of the condition of your heart. Does knowing God, do the things of God bring you real joy? Number four, how do I respond when I lose material things? We can feel disappointed, we can feel upset, but if it wipes us out, like if it just totally is like devastating, then we're probably too attached to this world and stuff. Some of us lose more things than others. Number five, what would I do if I suddenly came into fortune? This is always my favorite question when I'm watching game shows and the host asks the person, what are you going to do with your winnings? Because that really tells the person's values. And really, it's a good question for us to ask too. What would you do? If you suddenly came into fortune, what would you do with it? Because the answer could actually show where your heart is. So greed is gradual. That's why we need to stay alert, be aware. Jesus warned us to do this. So if those questions, I'd love for you to just walk them through, even uh, if you're comfortable talking with your spouse or someone that you love, uh, or just walk them through with the Lord this week. Because I believe as God shows us these things, it shows us how to adjust. All right, here's the second thing we learned from this parable. Greed exalts self. Uh, did you notice as this guy was talking, he uses the first person pronoun Six times he says, I. Uh, so he says, I got my crops and my barn and my grain and my goods and my soul. And in verse 19, um, I, 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 it stuck out to me. I found it interesting. It says that the man talked to himself and said to himself, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Well, this is this man's first major mistake. He's talking to the wrong person. Don't trust yourself. Are you kidding? <laughs> of course you're going to say, yeah, I have enough. I need a little more. I deserve more. The first thing we need to do is that we need to go to God to consult God. His feelings were leading that train. If you were here last week, you know what I mean, right? His dialogue was only with himself. He said, hey, self, should we go get more self for ourself? And his self said, yes. 
He didn't consult God. He talked his own soul into his own sin. And the Bible declares in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. God rightfully owns all of this. And he lets us use any of it. And he still retains the ownership and he, he will give an account to, uh, we will give an account to God of how we used it as stewards or as borrowers. You know, the antithesis of greed is saying, God, this is all yours. Everything that you've given me, everything I have, how do you want me to use it? That's the antithesis of greed. So if you want to go extreme the other way, you just say, you view everything. God, this is your house. This is your property. These are your resources. This is your paycheck. God, what do you want me to do with it? Because thank you for letting me steward what is actually yours. That's why you, you hear us talk about the tithe, why it's so important, why we give 10% each time we earn money, because it is literally declaring, God, this is yours. This is your resources. Thank you for letting me use the other 90 it doesn't hurt to give you 10 because it's all yours anyway. It's a tangible reminder of who owns all of this. And it ensures that greed doesn't exalt self. I want to encourage you today, if you're not currently giving consistently every time God gives you resources to make a tangible step to start, listen, it's a spiritual principle that aligns your life in obedience with what God wants. It's a reminder, it's a, it's a way to make sure that greed doesn't creep up. Is that you're saying, God, thank you so much, now I give it back to you joyfully. I give it back to you because it was all yours to begin with. Here's the next one, greed often strains relationships. It's interesting, the man um, who approaches Jesus, he clearly has a strained relationship with his brother. The money had come between them. And unfortunately, this is all too often a story we hear, isn't it? Families divided over the settling of an estate. Brothers and sisters so angry that they won't speak to each other because they're at war over possessions, over money that belong to their parents. Friends or business partners who end lifelong relationships because of money disagreements. Just shake your head at me if you know somebody, right? If you've heard of that before. This is what happens. In this case, the man bringing the complaint potentially had some justification for his case. We don't know. His brother may have wronged him, but Jesus looks at that man and says, look, that is not actually the problem. The problem is the greed that I see in your own heart. In Luke 12, 20, God calls the man in the parable a fool. And this term fool in biblical language is not a description of mental ability, but of spiritual discernment. In the Old Testament language of Psalms and Proverbs, a fool is an individual who makes choices as if God doesn't exist and who lives as if God hasn't spoken. Let me say that one more time because this is what God is saying. If we make choices with our resources as if God doesn't exist or if we make choices with the resources as if God hasn't spoken, we are being foolish. The Bible's clear that the number one priority is to love God and love our neighbor. And our love of money and things is just a manifestation of love of self that is more than our love of God for our neighbor. Do you see why greed is so dangerous? Like, this is why Jesus is like, watch out. Like, beware. Stop right there. Because this actually can destroy parts of your life that are important to you. This can destroy relationships with me and relationships with other people. Don't let that happen. 
Here's the last one. Greed loses sight of eternity. So in Luke 12, 20, he finishes and he says, okay, you're a fool. And then he says, look, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? It reminds me of a story of two friends at a funeral for a wealthy man. And the first man whispered to the second, "Uh, how much do you think he left? And the second man replied, he left it all. I mean, that's what we're all going to do, right? You can't take it with you. There is no way. He left it all. And what Christ is saying here, what Jesus is saying is like, look, this is the crisis point. God is saying, I own your life. I have loaned for you your days and your resources. And at any time, I can make demand on this loan. And when I do, you don't get to take any of it with you. When the demand loan is up on our life, we will leave it all. And we can't lose sight of eternity or greed will creep in. Greed is gradual. Greed exalts self. Greed strains relationships. Greed loses sight of eternity. This is all the bad news. Okay, I got that out of the way. So let me finish with the good news. (laughs) Avoiding greed means that we can be rich in God. Remember, greed is not an issue of amount. It's an issue of attitude. It's an issue of attitude. And being rich in God is important in every season when we have a little or when we have a lot. Uh, This past Christmas season, I was so impressed with the family from our church and the way that they were teaching their young sons to be rich in God. I know that this will encourage you. Just watch this testimony for a moment. So when we heard about the toy drive, um, Ben and Nate's birthday is right before Christmas. Um, so I went to them and said, what if instead of receiving gifts at your friend's party, we go ahead and ask them to bring a gift to donate to local foster kids? And, you know, they were like, okay, we'll get, we'll get presents at Christmas in a couple weeks anyway, or, you know? Yeah. Um, so they were, they were fine with it. Yeah, we had to explain it to them a couple different times, but overall they were, they were receptive. They, they got it, too. Party, they had about 15 kids come and all of them brought tons of gifts. Um, I know some of the kids later asked, you know, and some of the parents um, about the donations, where they went, um, what they were for. So I think just knowing that you're making an impression on other kids that it's better to give them receipt. Yeah, it was definitely a little bit of a strange birthday party for a lot of the other kids because the gifts weren't wrapped. They didn't open them up in front of their friends. So we kind of had to explain to the, the other kids that, no, they and Ben are giving all these kids to, all these presents to other kids. But I think they, they understood it when we said the same thing we told our kids. There's a lot of little kids that don't get things for Christmas. We're going to give it to them. What did you think when your mom and dad brought this idea to you? It good to my heart. What did your friends think when they um, came to your party with all these gifts? Confused. They were confused? What did um, what did they think when you told them what you were doing? They were fine with it. Did they like being able to give to other kids in need that they didn't have? Yeah, my friend did the same thing with parents. So cool. So from your birthday party, you had another friend that did something similar? No, we did, he did it before. He did it before you. Super yeah. cool. So you were able to teach your friends about giving. Can you thank Jesus for that? So good. 
So the instruction in Luke 12 is to be rich in God, to do good works, to be generous, to be ready to share, not just when you have a lot, but when you're nine years old and you have a little. And I love this idea that if we deposit our life and all that we have into the bank of heaven, Matthew 6, 33 says it well, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Be rich toward God. You know, I have a front row seat to so many of you that are living out this principle in such a tangible way. I mentioned a few weeks ago, we started our, our Kingdom Builders missions projects like we do every year and, and for 2022. And the Lord had impressed on my heart uh, that we would give double. We gave $40,000 in 2021 that we should give $80,000 in 2022. And, and in some ways, that was a, that was a scary thing to say to y'all. <laughs> that was a risk that we're taking as a church, as a team. And, and I was at lunch this week with a, a faithful member of our church and Right before we were done, she slid an envelope across the table. And she told me that God told her that in the same way that the church was to double our giving to missions, that the Lord told her that she was supposed to double her giving that she, uh, to missions that she gave last year. And I opened the envelope later and it was a check for $10,000 for our Kingdom Builders projects. Thank you, God. This giver has not lost sight of eternity. With her investment, many this year will hear the gospel and see the goodness of God. And so be rich towards God. His generosity just never, ever fails us. Would you stand? I wanna pray for you today before you go. If you feel comfortable, would you just stretch out your hands like this, almost like I'm throwing a prayer at you and you're catching it. God, help us live knowing that you give us all we have. It's all yours. <laughs> We want to invest in eternal things. We know you will take care of us if we seek you first. We know that as we get things here, that it's not about storing up treasures on earth, but putting, storing up treasures in heaven for eternity. I pray for courage and bravery today for us to live rich in you. I pray that generations of kids would come out of this church and fund missions for generations, God, because they caught the ability to understand that the generosity from their parents and from their fellow church members is what counts in the kingdom. God, I pray that maybe you would even talk to other people in this church that they should double their missions giving, God. Maybe this is a seed that this faithful woman is planting in our church, Lord, that we will give you even more because for eternity, you are doing the best things. Lord, change our hearts to be more like you. We're so excited to see what you can and will do. And God, it's in your good name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Eerie First Podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a message and share it with your friends. You can follow Eerie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eeriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.